3: From the WEEI Studios, the home of Patriots Monday and Friday, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston, always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: This hour of Fitzy and Heart is brought to you by the cleanup and restoration specialists at ServPro. Give them a call today at 1-800-SERVPRO.
4: It's the Fitzy and Heart Radio Show on another beautiful autumn Saturday here in New England. You can holler at us anytime, 617-779-7937. Andy, during the commercial break, we endeavored, I believe successfully, to grab that audio clip I was telling you about just a little bit earlier. Here is Michael Kay, Yankees broadcaster and, of course, afternoon drive-time host on the ESPN Radio affiliate in New York, addressing the Yankees' use of the Red Sox' 2004 comeback as motivational footage in their failed effort to come back against the Astros in the ALCS.
5: Out of your mind? Do you know that I talked to three players from the 0-4 team? They were
1: outraged by the fact that their failure was being used as motivation for the 2022 team. How could you do that? It would be like somebody from Lincoln's family. And you, 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 you're trying to teach them about shootings in theaters, and you use their dad as an example of how to avoid it. I mean, are you out of your mind?
4: <laughs> Going the full Lincoln is not exactly how far I thought Michael Kay, who is obviously a Yankees stand, if you will, and or apologist, given that he's on the team's payroll and has been for decades. But wow, that just sort of gives you an idea how disgusted you know, Yankees universe or the uh, the evil empire of Yankees fandom was
3: over that gesture last week. Yeah, and they should be. It, it just absolutely ridiculous. And, again, that it made its way through one set of lips to the ears of others and still was enacted, I just...
1: <laughs> it would be stupid. like if
4: Bill Belichick <laughs> wanted to show the Patriots that are actually healthy enough to play in tomorrow's game against the Jets If he started off with some sort of motivational speech about being unexpected and coming through in the clutch when no one even really knows your name, you know, role players stepping up to the big stage and then just rolled footage of Eli chucking it down the field to David Tyree in Super Bowl forty two.
3: Right. It just I don't or the Jets this week. It would be like Robert Sala playing the butt fumble and be like, good news, guys. No matter what you do, you won't screw up as bad as this. So go out there and play loose, baby. Like, what are we doing? Oh, it just makes no sense. What an absolute disaster. Oh, but, but good you know for them. Though? It's, it's the
4: Yankees. So I, this has been like, here's the crazy thing. I've actually enjoyed this postseason immensely. I, I'm I'm enjoying rooting for the Phillies because of the Dave Dombrowski connection, sure. But I love Kyle Schwarber, and also, I hate the Astros. There are a few teams that I legitimately hate. Hate is a very strong word. We try not to use it too much at, you know, Shea Fitzy. However, I do hate the Astros. Just, I'm gonna for a long time. Until they have flushed out everybody associated with the 2017 team, then I will always hold high disregard and disdain for the Astros. So, last year, big temporary Braves fan. Loved that run right now. Go Phillies. Grease them poles, fire them up. I'll eat crap off the street if I need you to get the Phillies to beat the Astros.
3: And that was a thrilling game last night. I'm not sure if you if you caught any of that. Uh I did. Yes. I I actually went to bed and then watched the highlights, but uh I dozed off as it went into extra innings. But yes, I pulled, a, I pulled the
4: Power Dad as well. I watched it. I was in the ninth inning. I was watching it. I was excited. Great game. Woke up and I was like, oh, they're interviewing the Phillies. That means they must have won. <laughs> Damn it. I dadded on the sofa again. It happens. I always do that. Yeah, it happens. We're getting old. All right. Back to the game. No more whistling past the graveyard. Pats, Jets tomorrow, one o'clock. Andy, we have looked at this game in the short week. Uh, That is the Patriots getting ready for a division showdown like this coming off of the Monday night football game that ended quarter after 11 on Monday night. So the Jets have had a full day and a half extra, though they did travel two thirds of the way across the country after having defeated the Denver Broncos and quarterback Brett Rippon last week at Mile High and Vesco, whatever the hell you want to call it, stadium. So they're about a day ahead of the Patriots in terms of rest and preparation. Obviously, that mattered quite a great deal for the Chicago Bears, who were way more prepared than the Patriots were uh, for last Monday night's game. So I want to ask you this, Andy. What are you most concerned about right now? I'll give you a three spot, or you can go rogue and give me something different. What are you most concerned about tomorrow for the Patriots as they take on the Jets? Are you concerned most about the injuries to the team? Are you concerned most about the quarterback who has been put in a bit of a tough spot, numb toes and all, or are you concerned a little bit about this coaching staff, which kind of got exposed on national TV Monday night against a less than dynamic Chicago Bears running and passing attack?
3: Uh, I would say all of them to some degree. My biggest concern is sort of a uh, combination of Mac and the injuries. I think having David Andrews out and Mac being in sort of the the spot that he's in, going up against a very good defense that. That concoction, that combination of factors mm-hmm. there, because I think he needs to prove something. I think he's probably going to try to prove something. Uh, and the defense is good, and you're going to have James Ferentz up there, who's good, but it's not David Andrews. And the line didn't play well last week. Like, how are they going to call the game to make Mac comfortable, given that the offensive line may not be great against a good defense? That that's where I'm looking. Like, that's sort of whole perfect storm there of Matt Patricia, James Ferrens, Mac Jones, all of that that goes into the passing game cuz I don't think they're just going to run the ball down the Jets' throat and you know have one of these zappy like wins where you can rush for 180 or 200, control the game on the ground, play action, easy throw. Like I don't think that's going to happen. So there's going to be some pressure on Mac literally and figuratively and, and I'm interested to see where this goes and and Patricia and the coaching staff certainly plays a role in that. Oh, for
4: sure. As I look at NFL defensive rankings on the 2022 season, the New York Jets have the 12th overall NFL-ranked defense. The Patriots are right smack in the middle of the pack at 16th. However, here's the thing that the Jets really do a good job at. Um, They've gotten much better at stuffing the run, and their pass defense is excellent. Now, the Patriots' passing offense has obviously had its issues Uh, recently Monday night was far from a stellar night for the Patriots passing attack because they had not one not two but three interceptions on the night nothing was in nothing was in sync nothing was in rhythm I would dare say things felt off in Foxborough Monday night Andy from about three hours prior to the game when that Mike Giardi report came out that both quarterbacks were likely to play and I think all of us thought we heard incorrectly or that Mike had been fed bad information or Something I must have just heard, something was wrong, or something was askew. Like, when when would the Patriots, when have the Patriots ever had a quarterback rotation? We're not talking about Michael Bishop throwing a Hail Mary at the end of the half 20-something years ago. A legitimate quarterback rotation. And while many have tossed about theories all week long as to how and why this came about, I don't put any stock, I just don't buy the idea that they always plan to play two of them and that Mac was pulled for injury reasons because you and I were talking about this on the podcast the other day. It still kind of stymies me. Mac Jones was healthy enough to throw a couple passes, healthy enough to have three scampers for like 7, 9, and 11 yards and put his leg up in the air and almost kick Brisker, the guy who ultimately picked him off in the you-know-what. And then all of a sudden gets pulled from the game, and 36 hours later, he disappears entirely from the injury report. I think Bill Belichick Monday night decided, you know what, I never should have let Mac play in the first place. I'm going to go to the hot hand, rally the team real quick. I think uh, Zappy can bail us out of this 10 nothing hole. I just had never seen Bill Belichick make a decision like that with any sort of hesitance or second-guessing himself. Like, when Bill Belichick does that, you've got to feel like things
3: have spun around or gone upside down. Yeah, I think he got caught up in the moment. I do. Now, I don't know what yeah. the plan was because I'm with you. I, I, don't, I truly don't know... Where health was a factor wasn't a factor, how a guy could possibly be pulled because it's a factor. And then two days later, he's off the injury report. But is he really off the injury report? Because then we have, as you referenced earlier, the report from Mike Giardi that he's that Mac's dealing with numbness in his toes. So clearly he's not 100%, but he's not missing practice reps, I guess. It's a whole I don't even know what's going on with the injury part of the situation. But like, I think Bill got caught up a little bit emotionally in that game and Mm -hmm. went to Zappy, and it got weird. It went sideways, however you want to describe it. And so I I don't know. Like, you're right. I I can't imagine they were planning a good idea. You know what we're going to do? We're going to use both. This always works. Have you ever watched peewee games? Ah, it's great. They rotate quarterbacks. Kids have a lot of success, a lot of fun. Everybody gets a a shot to play quarterback when you play flag football. Like, what was he – when has this ever been a good idea? When has this ever been a good idea for any team? How does it create – any positive momentum or success? I, I just, I'm with you. I can't imagine that that was a legitimate. It's it's a little bit like the Boone thing. Like, did Bill come up with this on a on on Tuesday or Wednesday? And everybody was like, "Yep, I agree, Coach. Yeah, lots of examples of using two quarterbacks. It always works out. Good good idea, Bill." Like, all those people sat in that team meeting and none of them said, "Hey, Bill, uh, this is a terrible idea. This is an absolutely terrible idea." So I, I don't know what that was. That was an abomination. A chaotic. Game Monday night, and I don't know what anybody was thinking.
4: Yeah, and there was all that discussion later on when he was pressed about it, both after the game and then later again in the week. Like, was everyone aware of this, Coach? Uh, did you let the entire team know? And he sort of sort of said yes, and then it was like, well, we let the leaders know. Like, so are the leaders the captains? Was this yes. a you let McCordy and Slater, like the veterans, and maybe Mac, maybe the quarterbacks knew? Because I think, and you know, Kyrie Thompson called into our post game show in the wee hours of last Monday slash Tuesday morning saying that he had spoken to a couple of players and they had no idea that Bailey Zappi could be inserted into the game at any point. I mean, the team that is most known for good communication, for being better prepared than anybody else, for thoroughly outthinking your opponent, now outthinks themselves and poorly communicates the idea that they could be doing something like rotating quarterbacks or... Uh, that they might be pulling somebody for injury reasons or to try to go to a hot hand. Guys like Ramondre Stevenson, like, yeah, I just looked up and there he is. Like, oh, hey, Zap, what are you doing here? Like, that just doesn't happen. Again, that's like this. That's why I say this is such a huge game because I feel like the, either this season turns around with a quintessentially Belichickian performance tomorrow where the world is like, uh-oh, trouble in Foxborough, this is it, the end of 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 the dynasty, even though it ended years ago, and that now has nothing to do with Tom Brady in the days of old and championships and six rings and Super Bowls. It's either the end of the end of the end of the dynasty, or it begins a turnaround for the season. And with it could come, who starts more games the rest of the season? And are the Patriots buyers or sellers? Like, am I making too much out of this? Like, is tomorrow's game as big as I think it is?
3: It's big. You are probably making a little too much out of it, um, because it's it, it's what we do, and we get into the, oh, they stink against the Bears, and then the Jets, if they lose those two, it's over, and you broke Mac Jones, and his career is over, and you might as well sell everybody. Oh, they're getting calls on all their receivers, so trade all the receivers and ship out Isaiah Win. Yeah, you probably are making a little, but, but it's a big game, and it's a big game for Mac, and that would be my question. I know we're uh, just about up against it here, mm-hmm. but... Is Mac broken and can you fix him? Did you break Mac Jones in the last eight months or so? Did you take what was a surefire franchise quarterback who everybody said universally was the best rookie quarterback a year ago, the best of the five guys drafted in the first round? Did you somehow break him? Is he broken right now? And if so, do you have some duct tape that we could uh, possibly borrow to put him back together? You heard
4: the man, Patriots fans. Are you concerned with the preparation, the health? The, the mental fortitude, the confidence of Mac Jones. Did Bill Belichick accidentally break Mac Jones both this past week and in preparation for this season? If you are concerned about that in any way, shape, or form, we'll take your call. We have people lined up who'd like to speak on just that very subject. They dialed 617-779-7937. We'll take those calls. We'll talk more about the game and get you guys pumped, primed, and ready for the showdown at Jet Life Stadium tomorrow. But first... How about everything else going on in the wide world of sports with Trending
3: Now?
6: Gresh and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2.
3: Now, here's what's trending on WEEI.
4: Here's what's trending now on WEEI and WEEI.com. As we've been discussing, the 3 and 4 New England Patriots are traveling to the Meadowlands of New Jersey to take on the 5 and 2 New York Jets tomorrow at 1 p.m., From MetLife Stadium, the Patriots will be without the services of several starters, including center David Andrews, safety Kyle Duggar, and defensive lineman Christian Barmore, who have all been downgraded to out before tomorrow's game. Mac Jones, quarterback, is slated to start, though according to a report from NFL Network's Mike Giardi and guest of the Six Rings podcast this week, he's dealing with numbness in his toes due to the ankle injury he suffered September 25th versus Baltimore. Would he still be dealing with that if he wasn't started last Monday night? We'll never know. Tune in tomorrow morning to Gresh, Keith, and Wiggy on WEEI NFL Sunday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. for all the latest updates. And, of course, after the game, you got the 6 Rings fellas, Fitzy and Hart, from 4 to 7.30 before Sunday Night Football right here on WEEI. Meanwhile, your Boston Celtics lost last night 132-123 to the Cavaliers in Cleveland, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Each had an impressive 32 points on the night, Andy. But they were bested by Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell, hell of an offseason acquisition, and Karis Levert, who each had 41 on the night. Andy Hart, it's only five games into the season, but where is the vaunted Celtics defense?
3: Well, it might have left with the uh, head coach who created a bit of a controversy. You might have heard of it. I heard a few tales uh, that were told (laughs) as such.
4: Holy Missoula, that's a lot of points to give up in Cleveland. Celtics are back in action tomorrow night, 6 p.m. from the TD Garden, where they'll be hosting the Washington Wizards. Meanwhile, the Bruins are ice hot right now, fresh off a 4-0 shutout of the Blue Jackets in Columbus yesterday, 8-1 on the season. Pasta had another goal last night, as did Grizzlick. They're back in action Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in Pittsburgh against John Henry and LeBron James's Penguins. Game 2 of the World Series of American Baseball is tonight in Houston from Minute Maid Park. The Phillies scored a massive comfort behind victory last night, six to five in extra innings, with an extra innings ding dong from catcher JT Real Muto. Real Muto, excuse me, the difference maker. Andy, here is some awesome audio I found earlier today. Stiz, give me that Instagram you pulled earlier. This is someone having happy birthday sung to them at their birthday party as Real Muto stepped up to the plate in extra innings. Hey.
5: Sounds All like he right, got his
1: wish. Wish.
4: <laughs> I love that. Like the hell with the cake. We just took a lead in a World Series game. Best birthday ever. What a time! Game two has a dandy of a matchup tonight. Philly sending Zach Wheeler to the hill opposite Houston's Framber Valdez. And in college football, as you heard earlier, Boston College lost thirteen to three to UConn. Notre Dame beat number 14 Syracuse 41 to 24 number seven TCU top West Virginia 41-31 and number two Ohio State 44 number 13 Penn State tonight you got Michigan State at number four Michigan at 730 and at seven o'clock number 19 Kentucky at number three Tennessee that's what's
1: trending now on wei and wei.com.
3: back to it. Fitzy and Hard on WEEI.
0: And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app.
3: I think the Jets can actually dust them. Like, I, I'm not calling for a blowout because I think that's almost too cavalier, but if the I am calling for a win, but if the Jets can jump on them early, I think you're going to see clearly the different directions that these teams are going. I think the Jets are ascending, and I think it's over for the Pats. Like, what are you holding on to outside of blind faith? Those days are done. Brady shot. He's a decrepit figure. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have any skill position players that scare anybody. That's just the reality of it. Now you got to prove it.
4: WFAN midday host of the Tiki and Tierney program, Brandon Tierney, who joined us with some scotch and hot takes earlier this week on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. If you don't subscribe, Please give us a try. You can rate, review, and subscribe at Odyssey, Spotify, Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever awesome and sports are discussed. It's. I think this is – Brandon went on to later say, Andy, a lot of people think it's over for the Patriots. And, of course, this is coming from the Jets, who think this is their time to pounce, their time to seize the moment. Like I said, changing of the guard, you push back a little bit on it because what are you going to push back on? Like, hey, we're going to swap out who's going to be in last place the rest of the season? Okay, that would still be kind of jarring, I believe, for most Patriots fans to have to actually admit, fine, okay, the Jets, it's their time now. They're better than us. I I think that would be difficult for a lot of Pats fans to swallow in stomach because they've enjoyed basically – being the older brother who can sit on top of the head of the, of the jets on the sofa and just make them like cave to their will. Like it's been bully ball for decades now. I think that I think a lot of Pats fans don't want to let alone would be willing to admit that.
3: But we also need to remember that the Patriots have a 12 game winning streak against the jets. The second Mm -hmm. longest that they've had against anybody. The first was against the Buffalo bills. Things change, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's just a natural evolution. Now, the snide Patriots remark would also be, and and Brendan Turney talked about this. Turney talked about this. You know, Joe Douglas is sort of the foundation of the positivity. Their GM, it seems, mm-hmm. in New York, they're picking high in the drafts and they're getting good players high in the drafts. Sauce Gardner, the latest example, is a elite player almost already right out the gates uh, in his NFL career. Been. Right, and and you you're supposed to do that, right? You keep picking you know, the top of the draft, top half, top ten, top five. You're supposed to come away with some elite talent some of the time, and you know they're reaping some of the benefits of that. But it also won't matter if Zach Wilson is not who he's supposed to be, and that's why again I think uh, tomorrow is a really interesting game in his development, where maybe to to have this changing of the guard or whatever you want to call it, you know, to keep the winning streak going, he's going to have to make some plays more than he's done one touchdown he has one touchdown in a four game winning streak and there's been some you know positive things late in games and this idea that he's not making the key turnover mm-hmm. and that's part of his growth and that was part of the growth with somebody like Josh Allen um cuz he, he's, he's still a platform
4: player and oh, he's a great mahomesian guy that's why he blows
3: he, away mac jones because yeah. just the pure obvious physical yeah. talents are there that buy him longer Leashes. Whereas Mac, it's like, oh, he's smart and he he processes things. And you're like, well, he doesn't have a great arm and he's not that big and he doesn't doesn't really run. Um, But But Zach Zach Wilson has been asked to only be a game manager so far this season, and he's done it. That's the that's the impressive thing. If he can be a game manager until whatever point he becomes. As you just said, Patrick Mahomes or Josh, like not that he's going to be that guy, but he can bring those things to the table and make some plays and make the the scramble where he throws back across the field and it's not a pick, it's actually uh, a game changing positive play. If he can just manage games until he evolves to that level, then they are they may be a little bit of ahead of the schedule. Let's take it to the
4: callers right now, Andy, 617-779-7937. Allison, one of our favorites, was first in line here today. She joins Fitzy and Hart on a Saturday afternoon. Hello, Allison.
2: Hi there. Hi, guys. I think Uh that Mac's timing, or rather the fate's timing for Mac this year, has been absolutely terrible. That the fact that this is maybe a show-me game for him, he's not going to have David Andrews, and already our offensive line was terrible, and he's going up against a good defense and a team that wants to prove themselves in the Jets. We need to go back to first principles. When we started this year, the off season, we knew that the coaching situation was ridiculous. Having these two blokes come in who were not offensive or quarterbacks, coaches, and are known for not dealing very well with people by many experiences and many things that they've <laughs> said, and... And we also have to remember everyone said that starting with Detroit, it was the soft part of the schedule. And to have Mac get hurt before the soft part of the schedule and have Zappy be able to function in the soft part of the schedule. First of all, Zappy functioning when they also put so many people to protect him on the line. And it was the soft part of the schedule. Mac definitely would have won. probably would have won better. Remember, Andy Hart, Andy, you said that in Detroit, probably would have been, we would have been able to put 50 points. Yeah. I am just... And so now he, so he got hurt before getting to the soft part of the schedule. And another thing about the coaches, I can't believe Christian Fourier hasn't brought this up because he seems to have let this go, that, it, that he asked everybody before the beginning of the season whether it was possible to have somebody be an offensive lines coach and call the plays. Every football expert said that that was absolutely impossible. So you have Matt Patricia, the, funny, the bloody genius. You have him, who's never done offense, who's no Dante, you have him doing the offensive line for the first time, and you have him calling the plays. I mean, why do you think we're in this situation? It makes perfect sense. And you know what's going on with Bill Belichick's psychologist? No, it's called cognitive dissonance. That he is trying to serve too many masters, and the emotional one for him are his boys, or especially Matt Patricia, but Joe Judge, too, that he thinks that he's replaying like Bill Parcells resurrecting his career, but also he likes Matt Patricia, they're good friends, that he's confused at what's going on. And I think that with Bill Belichick, he 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 wasn't prepared for Gronk to retire, he wasn't prepared for Tom Brady not to sign on, and he didn't think that Josh was going to leave. Everybody is forgetting. Everyone said that that was done, that it was so late that no one was going to want him, and I don't know why people forgot about Oakland. But Josh also, if he wasn't prepared for any of these things... And he's dealing with it really badly. And when people are in a cognitive dissonance state, they don't deal with things rationally, but they think they are because they can't admit what's really going on. And I can't believe that Robert and Jonathan Kraft, are they not taking any of this stuff in? It is time to do something. The only thing that makes sense, maybe have Matt Patricia just be the offensive lines coach. It would be great if you could have Dante come back and just do something, just help a little bit. And Joe Judge, go back to special teams or away, try to see whether Nick Staley, Nick Staley and Troy Brown can call the place.
4: Wow allison coming in fresh hot hot, prepared and opinionated thank you so much for giving us uh all of your takes your honest takes and plenty to as they say andy
3: unpack there well i Ooh. was uh the first thing that i have to unpack is she called them blokes we, we brought these two blokes in <laughs> that, that made me laugh a little chuckle for the blokes um she's not wrong like we talked that this could go horribly wrong. I had the no facts spring.
4: detector, I had the no lies detected meter going on that
3: one. Didn't ring. Yeah, like, and 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 I don't know where we are because we're like two weeks removed from Tom Curran asking Matt Patricia if he felt vindicated by the performance against the Lions. So like, we've gone from vindication back to I know what well, it was ridiculous at the time. Like there was plenty left to prove, but it was trending the way they wanted it to. Like the offense was getting better and you're like, okay, maybe they are doing the Bella chicky and September's extension of the preseason. They're finding themselves finding who they are. And now we're coming up against a good defense and we might find out a little bit more and maybe a little bit in the negative direction who they are and the adjustments and, you know, Billy Yates' role in this. Allison was, like, caught on the part of the, the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. I mean, the offensive play caller being the offensive line coach. And, you know, Billy Yates, oh, Billy Yates is up in the booth. Now Billy Yates is down on the field. Billy Yates is kind of the line coach. And if you remember, I don't know if you recall that sort of cockamamie, long-winded answer that Matt Patricia had probably about three weeks ago now, maybe was a that month the ago. the one where do he and Mac talk on the sidelines? Yeah, the voices and, and, and it was – Oh
4: my God! Like it took 17 minutes. It was longer than one of my show opens.
3: Yeah, if, if, if that's a, well done, Fitzy. Thank you. <laughs> About time you make fun of yourself. self a long way in this gig. industry. Huh? Yes, <laughs> um, but if, if if you recall, I remember thinking in that answer, if your sideline communications are anything like this answer, we are porked. Because this makes no sense. This is a garbled, absolute mess that you are spreading to it us. It was a word salad. It was. And and I thought it was appropriate because that's what I was envisioning going on in those headsets on the sideline when it's hitting the fan and Bill's talking and judges talking. And, you know, Mac is asking why, 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 which apparently is a bad thing around here. If you ask why, if you believe some people, that's like the root of the problem where Mac fell out of good graces. So. I do think Allison's to some. I don't know anything about that thing she said. By the way, the the was it cognitive dissonance? I am not not familiar. I'm like ahead. Robert John. You know what?
4: Let's go I'm ahead right now. Not familiar and cognitive dissonance, as described by the Oxford Language Dictionary, the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. Oh, I kind of Allison it. Uh, caller from Cambridge accused Bill Belichick of being in a state of cognitive dissonance. You know, huh. I was sitting here thinking, like, we won't have many firsts on today's episode, uh, the this late Saturday afternoon edition of the Fitzy and Hart Show, getting ready for Pat's Jets. I was wrong. Somebody yeah, accused talk- Bill Belichick of being in a state of cognitive dissonance.
3: But correct me if I'm wrong, the definition you just, just read would fit nicely with the uh, chaos we saw on Monday night? Uh, it It would indeed. And I would like to actually address the
4: the notion or your take as to why Bill has surrounded himself with basically the friends and family program in just a moment. Of course, we all know that Bill Belichick said he didn't want to coach or work with or, uh, you know, coach alongside people that he didn't like. He was at a point in his life where he decided, like, I just want to be, you know, I only want players that I like and players that I think I can coach up and want to coach alongside guys that I like. I don't know. I mean, it seems to have worked some weeks when they played inferior teams, and not so much when they played other teams who were better or at least better prepared. Back to the phones we go. Andy David is in Florida. He wants to talk Pats Jets. What's happening, David?
5: I was afraid we weren't going to get you guys this afternoon and with PC football. I, I was, I was getting worried. Was oh, a mis- don't on you.
4: No, no. Listen, just because, just because we had to take a trip to the vet to put the dog down, otherwise known as Boston College football for a few hours, doesn't mean Fitzy and Hart wouldn't be here for you.
5: That's
4: not too kind. <laughs> no, it was, no it was I mean, not. But
5: <laughs> now we all know I'm a big fan of you guys, and you guys do a great job, and you're fun to listen to. But tell me, what happened to Glenn on the and the, and 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 Glenn's Glenn's uh, post game show?
2: Uh, well, um,
5: Glenn's
3: in
4: Arizona. Glenn's in Arizona. Glenn has he did uh, it
5: last year. Yeah, he but he did it last year. He was in a,
4: I don't know. Ask the bosses. Don't ask yeah, us. Here, yeah, ken.laird at odyssey.com. Shoot him an email.
3: Jeez.
5: Yeah, I mean, you guys do great, but I mean, Glenn, Glenn. We
3: well, then why are you Laird asking if fresh. we're doing great? If you're doing great, then what? See, you, you got a you post-game show controversy, right? Right? You, you never there ask go, about the backup right? quarterback if you like the mm-hmm. starter.
5: Maybe we'll give, maybe we'll get tomorrow afternoon, maybe we'll give you the first, uh, three breaks, and then we'll pull Glenn in from Arizona after it.
3: <laughs> that would be awesome. Ah, I will to sulk. turn
4: it around, David. I way will roll my eyes out. and
3: sulk.
5: Yeah. Now, I mean, Belichick is just making a mockery of this situation. I mean, as great a coach as he is, I mean, he, he, he I mean, he's, he's creating the north and south in this team. I mean, it's becoming a civil war. He's, he's alienating the two, play, the two quarterbacks. He's hitting one against the other, uh, I mean, this is just moronic what he's doing. And uh, I just uh, – that's the first thing. I just – for the life of me, we don't understand it. And uh, my, my, one of my questions is on um, post-game shows, I mean, I know there's, uh, there's protocol and everything, but would it be – I mean, journalistically, do you think it would be inappropriate or unprofessional to question his intentions or, uh, or his uh, his – thinking when he answers these questions so i mean like it it just you have to take things to the next level and i just think that i'm just wondering about like the rules and protocols and post-game press conference
4: so you're talking david and thank you very much for the call um hopefully we'll do well enough that they'll keep us actually uh on the air the entire time tomorrow and they won't have to go to the bench or ride a hot hand or make a a quick decision if the fans start chanting or wait oh (laughs) um as far as pushback or uh, I think we actually even discussed that. Maybe, maybe we talked about it off mic this week, Andy, the whole idea of like, has there ever been somebody at a Patriots presser who has just like put their hand up and said like, ah, uh, Hey coach, uh, how come you don't talk to us like people, you know, or um, like how, how come you don't answer been... the questions? And there was that pushback this week from Tommy Curran, who when addressing the quarterback situation started getting a little bit of the Belichick pushback and said, it's a fair question. And so I guess that's the closest thing you get to somebody, sort of, uh, I don't know, bristling at the way Belichick has handled the media or pushing back, if you will.
3: No, it's I mean, it's happened many times over the years. The difference now is there's some public support behind it. Because back in the dynasty days when you won Super Bowls, people like you and some of your brethren would mock reporters that had the audacity to question anything Belichick did. You can so, call us
4: the, the, fraud, the Foxborough
3: the, Fraud Squad. Go the ahead. Fraud Squad. You, Jerry Thornton, the Fraud Squad led the way, pushing back against, oh my God, that p- reporter had the audacity to question Bill or the audacity to pretend that he's a professional like Bill is a professional and would get mocked. Now, there's a little bit more of an appetite for it. There are more fans who are questioning Bill and more fans who want media to question Bill. Um, so, yeah, he had some tete-a-tetes back in the day, but, again, they were squashed by the uh, the fraud squad. Um, by the way, I have something. I-, I brought this up to you the other day as we talk a little bit from Allison's call about Patricia and what the hell Bill's doing and was this predictable. Um, I went back and found that story from CNBC that I talked about you, and it was Suzy- Susie Welch, who did the interview with uh, Bill Belichick about his leadership styles. It's the five Mm -hmm. rules of exceptional leadership. And Mm -hmm. when we come back, I am going to tell you number two on their list was leadership means having the discipline to deploy your, quote, dependables. And I think the way Belichick describes this is exactly why you have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia in the roles they are in. Interesting indeed. Good deep dive. We'll hear more
4: from Andy on the CNBC interview from years past and how it applies to the Patriots of pleasant of pleasant may not be so pleasant tomorrow. We'll see how things go. The Patriots of present plus your phone calls. What concerns you most about the Patriots as they head into the showdown tomorrow against the Jets? And do you agree with the decision to name Mac Jones the starter? for tomorrow's game on Wednesday, no less. We'll look at that and why it was done so early in the week as opposed to last week where it was done just three hours before kickoff. You got Fitzy, you got Hart, and we got you to six on WEI.
3: W E I. We are right back to Fitzy and
0: Heart. Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app.
2: Again. We'll see how it goes today. Is
5: that
1: something that would be?
5: Look, we're not look, we're not doing anything here. We haven't practiced. We're gonna go out and we're gonna see how it goes today. Alright? It will see how it goes today. We'll see how it goes today. Like
4: to all right. the you all Thank you. you. Another Wednesday, another vintage performance from Patriots coach Bill Belichick, where he delivered yet a signature, another signature catchphrase. If you're a fan of Seattle, or we're on to Cincinnati, or earlier this season's day by day, then you absolutely loved. We'll see how it goes. That was Wednesday's Presser, and this is Fitzy and Hart on a beautiful fall Saturday on WEEI. Just two days before Halloween. Will it be a trick or will it be a treat tomorrow in the Meadowlands for the Patriots? 617
1: 779 Terrible. <laughs> just terrible.
4: Oh, come on. It's Halloween. Uh, which costume will the Patriots be wearing tomorrow when they leave MetLife? Will they be dressed as winners or will they be losers? Hack Hackman for the Fitzy and Hart Show.
3: You've got to have a little fun with it. I
4: don't know. I think there'll be What's actually the anyone about... dressed up or uh, yes, doing their costumery tomorrow?
3: Oh, absolutely. Ab- and the cameras love to find them. Every commercial break you'll go to, you'll have somebody dressed up at, uh, at MetLife. No question. That's how you get on TV. And who's the broadcast team tomorrow? And will they say, "Uh oh, looks like it's third and ghoul for the Patriots tomorrow." We have old friend uh, Charles Davis, uh, Ian Eagle, and Evan Washburn. Oh,
4: that they're good. You know, do you hear? Ian Eagle is actually going to be taking over for uh, Hello Friends for old Jim Nance uh, on the Final Four starting in two thousand twenty-four. Oh. This will so be your final, time. final four with Jim Nance at the helm. He's actually going to final, be seeding broadcast duties to the great Iron Eagle on CBS yeah.
3: Sports. Bit of a blow to his ego to give that up, probably, right? He's still got the Masters. I imagine he's probably got enough on his plate. Yeah, burnt toast. Yeah, and
4: And, of course, that plate <laughs> is full of burnt toast. Andy, before we went to break, you teased us with the notion that you had recently reviewed because it piqued your curiosity as to what's going on with the Patriots coaching situation right now. An interview he did five years ago on business and leadership with someone from, I believe the name was Susie Welch with CNBC.
3: Um, well, she my, is, I believe she is the wife or ex-wife of Jack Welch, who was the head of... Uh, GE. GE, yes, something. Yes. So, like, big-timers big, t- big timers in the business world, the New England business world. Um, and so I'm going to read you... Bullet point two in the five Belichick rules of exceptional leadership. And uh, so this is CNBC writing, you know, your star performers, the ones who can dazzle and amaze, except when they don't. They definitely they're definitely appealing at Belichick admits. But over the years, he's learned they're not his type. He'd rather stick with his tried and true people. Call them, quote unquote, his dependables, quote This is Bill talking. There have been times when I put too much responsibility on people. They might have been the most talented or the people you hoped would do the right or best thing, and they didn't come through, Belichick said. Big mistake. When it comes to getting things done, especially critical things, forget the high flyers. Quote, you have to go with the person who you have the most confidence in, the most consistent. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'm going down with that person. That right there is Bill saying, I'm going down with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. That's how I take it. Like, these are his dependables. And he's done this with players. He's often foregone the most elite player or chasing different talents to get his guy. I I know what he's going to do. He has his warts, but I know where he's going to be and how he's going to play and what he's going to do. And that person's name is Jelani Tavai. This year, uh, you're damn right, 100%. That is his guy this year. you know, I think Jawan Bentley, to some degree, is one of those guys where he's grown comfortable over the last few years what Jawan Bentley is at a linebacker, and then we look at it, and he's not athletic enough. Yeah, he makes tackles, but they're eight yards downfield. Like I think there's something to be said for... He's won with his dependables. Now, I would argue he didn't. I would argue, you know the first line? You know those star performers? Yeah, they were called Tom Brady. They were called Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman and Wes Welker and Randy Moss and all these guys he's had that were star players. And they didn't always come through, but they came through a lot. So I think there's a little bit of uh, confusion here internally for Belichick, thinking he won with dependables when he really won with stars. See, I agree. And that's, it's it's really... (laughs) See, I agree. 617. Yeah, yeah,
4: I was going to try to make a counterpoint because that's how you do it in radio. Like, (laughs) you know what? I have to disagree with you, Mr. Hartner. No, I agree with you. I I think, as a matter of fact, the lack of appreciation or lack of acknowledgement as to the massive contributions of some of the, as Curran has called them in the past, Tommy Curran from NBC Sports Boston, planetary players... And the fact that they don't have as many now, or I'm not even sure if they have any. If there's any nope. like, nope. you know, all stars, or if there's any Pro Bowlers, or whatever the hell the
3: Pro Bowl acknowledgement. Well, they are have all Pro pros. Bowlers. You, you have Matthew Judon have right now. Pl- they don't. Have, Matthew Judon is a really good player, but I don't think anyone would say he's one of the absolute best pass rushers or edge players in the NFL. He's good. He's good. He's a Pro he's got eight Bowler. Eight and a
4: half sacks. He's two over, two ahead of last year. Now, granted, we we're <laughs> hoping that he doesn't have. The second half or final
3: quarter fade, like he did last he season. He had two and a half it. sacks while Justin Fields was whooping your ass. So how dominant is he?
4: Uh, how, okay, but where was everybody else? Whooping. I understand. Whooping. I understand. Dugger whooping. got hurt. He missed whooping. a half. Uh, Barmore, went, Barmore whooping. didn't play at all.
3: Yeah, like I'm sorry. When if you're going to dominate a game, you have to dominate a game in successful fashion for your team. Otherwise, we're now looking for Matthew Judon
4: to basically dictate the entirety of the defensive tempo and output... Well, no, I think there's times he ran
3: past the quarterback and they ran right at him. Did they really run at him all night? Not all night, but they ran at him at times. I think Matthew Judon is good, but I think there are times when he gets so fixated on Mm -hmm. pressure and sack and, like getting to the quarterback behind the quarterback that it's everything else be damned and we know Bill had in the past I don't know what Bill is doing now but in the past that was frowned upon in New England it was sort of the reason why people said why does Chandler Jones do x here and then blow up and become you know a record potential setting pass rusher in Arizona because the role is different you're allowed to do different things setting the edge and you know rush lanes and being you know controlling the line of scrimmage those types of things I think Matt Judon is a little more traditional. Just pin your ears back and run back there, and sometimes you get a big play, and sometimes they get a big play on you. Yeah, see, I, I, I
4: can't, I can't give Matt you even if he does over pursue at times, even if he is guilty of coming too far upfield and having them target him in the run game. Like considering the energy he brings, considering his love put, considering the pressures, I just can't, I can't give him the business.
3: And I'm not sure. No, I'm actually, not giving him the business. I'm just saying that's the difference between truly elite player, game-changing player, and a really good, impactful player. And I think Matt Judon is a really good, impactful player. I'm not sure he's a true defensive player of the year candidate who lifts everybody around and makes Mm -hmm. the team better. And I think that argument is hard to make this week after the Bears marched not once, not twice, but five straight times down the field and scored on you and embarrassed you on your home field. It's hard to really get behind a dominant defensive player who let Justin Fields and company whoop him. It could be
4: the more jarring part, the the more alarming part of all of this wasn't like, oh, no, he pulled Mac. Oh, no, Zappi hasn't been able to score the entire second half. Rather, the Patriots' defensive performance in that game where they were unable to put a stop to a Chicago Bears team that hadn't put up but 20 points once all season long, and they could have scored into the 40s if they wanted to Monday night. And considering the injuries to some of the stars and starters on the Patriots' defense. I don't know. I understand there are injuries as well on the Jets' front. We'll take a look at those when we come back for the sort of second second, and a second hour-ish, if you will. We started at 345 today, a little bit late, uh, obviously later than usual, coming off of the B.C. football game. We got you for one more hour to get you ready for Pats and Jets. We'll look at the Jets, what's going on with them, what their injuries are, and how that may stack up against the Patriots, and a reason – Not necessarily football field tangible as to why tomorrow is so huge for Bill Belichick. And maybe this will help put a feather in your cap of confidence as to why the Pats can get the win
1: tomorrow. You'll hear it here on Fitzy and Hart when we come back on WEI.